This is the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Preston, episode 42, Sleep Skills. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for goal-getting, fear-facing women who are kicking ass by creating change. I'm your host, Lindsay Preston. I'm a wife, mom of two, and a multi-certified life coach to women all over the world. I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire, we must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me as I challenge you to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you are meant to be. Let's do this. Hey there, Miss Unstoppable. Welcome to the show. Today's episode, I have a very special guest. Her name is Molly McLaughlin, and she is going to be talking about how to get better sleep. Now, when I asked my audience in my private online community if I should bring her on the show to teach us about sleeping better, they all were so excited and said, absolutely, yes. And then they started asking all their questions about how they can get better sleep. I was kind of blown away to be in, in all honesty, because I didn't think that many people felt like they weren't getting good sleep. So if you're in that boat, you feel like you need to be getting better sleep, you just maybe have some different sleep issues of falling asleep or staying asleep or just feeling tired all the time, Molly is here to help you. Molly used to be somebody who could not sleep at all. And her story is really interesting because like mine, she kind of become very fed up with feeling that way. And she said one of the scariest moments of her life was when she was in Rome and she was at the Colosseum. She said, yes, that one, the Colosseum. And she had a huge panic attack because she hadn't slept in almost three days. She said that was her tipping point to really figure out why in the world am I not sleeping and how can I get better sleep? And so she did so many things to figure out why she wasn't sleeping. She had doctor's visits and sleep clinics and courses and studies and logs. And we go into detail of all the things she did on the interview. But she has really figured out a really cool balance of how to get somebody to sleep using science and using um, some different tools, again, that she talks about on the show today. So this interview is packed full of goodness. I think we went almost an hour long, which is very long for an interview. I try and keep it near 30 minutes. I ask a lot of questions directly from my community. So if you're not in my free community, I encourage you to get over there because we are always talking about the show behind the scenes. I'm always asking those members to give me questions to ask my guests so you can get specific questions answered that apply to your life. So to join that community, just go to lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-E, preston.com forward slash community. Link is always in the show notes for you to get there too. Again, it's free. You get on there. You get to ask your questions and get some great content and feedback all the time. 
right? So back to the interview. I've got Molly on here. We've got a lot of things we're covering today, including how to get better sleep, obviously, and different ways that you can start to implement in your life today so that tomorrow you can start getting better sleep. So without further ado, here is my interview with the amazing Molly McLaughlin. Molly, thank you so much for joining all of us on the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast. I knew when I saw you for the very first time with your little picture and blurb, I thought, I have to get this girl on the podcast. And when I dug deeper, I thought, I definitely have to get her on. I just love your branding. I love what you stand for. I love your energy. And I'm thrilled you're taking the time to share with us all about sleep today. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you so much for saying that. I really, really appreciate that. Um, I did put a lot of uh, thought into the branding for Sleep is a Skill, and I am so happy to hear that it resonated. Uh, Part of my intention is that it's more, you know, approachable and a sense of, um, you know, kind of breathing new life into this area that often I, I think doesn't get the attention that it deserves. And, you know, and we'll get into, of course, all kinds of uh, topics around this. But for me, when I was dealing with sleep troubles, I felt like some of the um, the things that I would find, I couldn't necessarily find a place to go that I felt could um, partner with me during this time, when, which felt so lonely, you know, so to have this sense of approachability and, um, you know, just openness and like realness, uh, was part of my intention with the branding. So I'm so glad it resonated and, and also just thank you so much for having me. This is just great to be here. Yeah. Well, Molly, let's get into it then. Tell us about your whole sleep journey. How did you develop a passion and eventual business around this topic? Oh my gosh, it's a good one. So strap in, um, basically (laughs) it was a wild ride, but essentially, um, What ended up happening was as a long-term entrepreneur, uh, for many, many years, I, um, my relationship to my sleep was just one of, I was a night owl. I was justified and righteous about it. I didn't think it was much of a problem. And I would say that I got a lot of my best work done, you know, in the wee hours of the morning. And that's how it went for me. Um, I mean, I would often, there would be times when the sun would be rising, I'm going to bed. That's how off the rhythms of nature I was, but I didn't think it was a big deal. Um, and that's just how it went for many, many years until I was so so much burning the candle at both ends that uh, anxiety and stress kind of caught up with me, especially when I started taking my business on the road and traveling um, and adding jet lag into the mix. And that's when I experienced my first period um, ever in my life of, of insomnia for multiple months in a row. And it was just really, really hard time in my life. Everything just sort of that wasn't working culminated, and what I what I, how it really manifested was just nights after night after night of sleeplessness, and then this knowingness that I still had to do things the next day, and I was still responsible for things, and yet a real sense of I I, I just can't do this most primal thing which was sleep. And, you know, so my journey of how to navigate that, um, really was a charged one from a place of, I, when, when it was at its kind of some of its worst, I was actually traveling. I was in Croatia at the time and I went into, um, a, a hospital 
near there after like nights and nights of barely any sleep. I go in with Google Translate and, you know, they, they don't know what to do with me. And they're just like, well, okay, here's their version of Ambien basically. And that sent me on my way. And it was a real moment for me of this can't be my future. <laughs> this can't be because, you know, the, it really signaled for me the sense of disempowerment that also not only in that exact moment of, okay, that, um, that immediate night or future nights, but it was really for a lifetime of what is this, uh, what am I signing up for? Am I agreeing to then have to take something every single night to do something that's so seemingly um, just innate? And so from that place, I became just absolutely obsessed with this topic um, of how to really restore my sleep. Um, and from that place, it ended up actually, while it felt like one of the worst times of my life, it actually ended up being one of the best things that could happen to me because it um, it sent me down to understand you know, chronobiology and circadian rhythms and what it takes to kind of restore those... Um, healthy patterns to your hormones, to cortisol and melatonin, um, and what types of behaviors you need to engage in at what times of the day. So this whole concept of kind of uh, modeling your days after the rhythms of nature, so sunrise and sunset, and really having those be a real part of, um, you know, my thinking of how to structure my days and what types of, um, just groundedness that brought to my life, even in the midst of, you know, I lived in Manhattan right in the middle of, um, which is now Hudson Yards. So one of the largest construction, you know, uh, projects ever done, right. In, in recent history at, um, at one concerted time. And so, you know, being in the middle of an urban environment for so many years, but then how to bring about this concept of the rhythms of nature, um, and what that does to your circadian rhythm and strengthening your circadian rhythm. Um, so how to do those things now in a modern day society without, you know, kind of totally retreating to, the woods or something, right? So how to have that balance. And it was fascinating. And now my experience by blending in technology, accountability, and behavioral change has just been so uh, empowering from a place of a knowingness that I can wake up with great sleep, feeling ready to take on the day, which, you know, previously, even before the worst of my sleep, I did not have that. I had just a uh, well, I hope I feel good the next day sort of uh, way of structuring my life. And now there's a whole set of tools that weren't available to me. And to be able to share those with others has just been really, really exciting. And I think it's just so important to get this message out, particularly in uncertain times like we're in right now. Yeah. Well, I'm reading on your bio on your website mm. right now of all the yes. actions you took when you oh, were Oh, my God. <laughs> I have to read some of these because Please, it is yeah. a list, right? I uh -huh. had phone calls with countless doctors. I reached yeah. out to sleep clinics. I joined all the top sleep solution courses. I scoured the latest sleep studies. I had kept detailed sleep logs. I read all the must-read books on sleep. Mm -hmm. um, I bought every sleep gadget. I called wellness centers. I joined Facebook groups. I tried hypnosis. I attended relaxation <laughs> meditation events. I got blood work done. I set up breathwork gurus. I took every major prescription and over-the-counter sleep aid. I tried every sleep supplement. I turned to alcohol to fall asleep. I journaled my frustrations. I tried heavy workouts. The list goes on 
and on. It's ridiculous. I oh mean, it points God. to my my personality too. I mean, it makes sense why I'd be someone that would also be um, overtaken by this concept of insomnia because my brain is one that goes, right? Obviously. Mm-hmm. And literally my one of my um, weekly newsletters is called Molly's Monday Obsessions. So I'm an obsessive personality. And for me, what ended up Thankfully, that obsessiveness ended up kind of being a blessing on the other side of it because I went deep on this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point, when you rattle off all of that, number one, that's that's tiring. It's exhausting. Number two, um, you know, certainly it wasn't by doing each one of those, it was upsetting because I would, each one of those that you listed off, it was like, okay, this is going to be the thing. This is going to get me to sleep tonight. And then, no, sorry, it wasn't the thing. And, and it's also expensive. You know, some of these right. things are just the, the, the cost is adding up. Um, and then just, you know, the mental and emotional cost of putting your hopes into these baskets of like, yes, absolutely. This is going to be it. And it, no, no. So keep trying. Um, but out of all of that, it really did. I learned a ton and I was able to pretty much put together a bit of a um, blueprint from this concept of chronobiology and circadian rhythm, which is really getting its time in the light, I think, right now, um, which is really a lot. It's, it's new. You know, just, it was only in 2017 that the Nobel Prize was granted to three guys around um, some of their findings in the circadian rhythm um, arena, which is this concept that there's essentially many, many, you know, thousands of little clocks throughout our body and every single cell and virtually every single cell that we have these little miniature, <laughs> miniature, you know, you need to visualize them, but these little clocks that are trying so desperately to keep us on time um, because the body is, you know, we're only just beginning to understand more and more, particularly on a maths level um, of the impact that it has on us both, um, physiologically and also psychologically when we start skewing off of that. And that's really the exciting stuff behind there. But yeah, to your point, I went through all of those things and many of them didn't work along the way. Yeah. So what did work, Molly? What changed the game? Okay. So what I started to discover was that a lot of this was around a kind of for me and for many of the people that I've worked with, it seems to have become this blend of, of awareness um, around your sleep. And so what I mean by that is uh, nowadays, because of the fact that I'm making this argument that in our modern day society, sleep has become a skill set, if that is the case, then from that place, there's an opportunity to learn just like a skill what how to get great sleep. And part of that is even if you know, part of the problem is, you know, some of our modern day, um, you know, technology, our lighting, our lack of total darkness um, in the evenings at particular times, you know, our indoor lifestyles that disconnect us from some of those external cues that are important for um, for that circadian rhythm. So temperature, movement, all these things get kind of thrown off our meal timing. All of these things are really make a difference. Um, but what I've found is that by blending this nice uh, kind of uh, magical like three, right? Where it's the accountability technology and behavioral change, there's suddenly a sense of awareness that you wouldn't normally have. So what that looks like on the court is um, 
virtually every single one of our clients through sleep is a skill have to, um, not have to, but if, if they're, um, open to bringing in technology into this conversation, we have them wearing certain sleep trackers. And then I get to see on the other side of it, almost like an ESPN readout of their, um, their sleep numbers. And it also relates to some of their biotech numbers. So, um, we're looking at things like HRV, which is, you know, really great indicator of some of their, you know, bodily stress levels and psychological stress levels. So we get to see those. And for myself, that made a big difference as well. Um, and then also we're getting to bring in this concept of all the behaviors that can impact, uh, your sleep to restore the levels of your cortisol and melatonin, uh, you know, just to break it down as a binary for those two, but there's certainly more at play, but even just looking at those as some of the clear rubric, um, that by bringing those in, it makes a huge difference. So what that looks like as far as the specifics has to do with um, this idea of circadian rhythm entrainment. So circadian rhythm entrainment is how we really operate within sleep as a skill. And, and for it, this is what I did, um, was starting to bring in in these elements that are known as um, zeitgebers, which is just German for time giver. Um, and basically those are the the things that will tell our bodies and have told our bodies for thousands of years, you know, back to ancestral and hunter-gatherer days, what time it is. I mean, it's so basic, and yet it actually, it's so crucial. So if you start at the top of the totem pole, um, the overarching thing is consistency. That's like king when it comes to sleep. Um, but the specifics of what to be consistent about, what's the most important, the top, the number, number one is getting your light right. So getting connected to, um, the timing of your light and the timing as it relates to your, to darkness and, you know, how many of us are really in a dark deprived society and we're not being exposed to darkness at the levels that we could. So getting those two right can make a big difference. And what that looks like is you have to get yourself outside, particularly in the mornings, um, getting the, the light exposure. Cause we're talking thousands of lux that's, uh, output by the sunlight versus just a couple piddly, you know, couple hundred lux that's inside that many of us are exposed to. And we're still just understanding, um, the effects of this right now. I mean, it's a big conversation. Um, but that's one of them. And then below that is temperature and temperature can get manifested as it relates to both your external temperature, you know, even like your thermostat can, uh, believe it or not, impact your sleep, how it is set throughout the day and the evening. Um, but also getting yourself outside, but temperature shows up for in our bodies in other ways as well. So, uh, meal timing is something that will warm up the body because uh, digestion is a really uh, taxing process. Also, movement um, will warm up the body. So, timing those things in particular ways, strategic ways, can make a difference. Um, also, even thought timing. So, that was a big one for me because, of course, part of this came from just rumination and anxiety and that sense of being wired but tired. Um, so, really starting to move the the rumination pattern to earlier in the day. So a lot of what we're saying is that we're addressing all of these things around sleep often during the daylight hours. And that if you're trying to impact your sleep at night, then you've really waited too long and just sort of relax and get comfortable because, you know, if you haven't done some of the prep work during the days, then what's likely is, you know, it's, 
it's not always set up powerfully to get you that sleep that you're looking for in the evenings. Um, so I know that was a lot, but those are some of the things um, that that you can bring in to make a real difference with your sleep. And it's kind of a whole paradigm shift around, um, you know, the structure of, of your days and how they can look. Yeah, Molly, man. That was that was so much a like a bombshell right there. I mean, it, it I answered know. so many of the questions my audience had and that I had. Oh, what, good. What impacts sleep the most? And you brought up, you know, eating at certain times, yeah. the light at certain times. Um, I do want to go back to the eating part, though. What sure. about our diet? How does our diet impact our sleep? Yeah, great question. Okay, so it's real, real interesting. Um, and because I have myself and others um, hooked up to some of these sleep tech items, then we get to have a lot of stream of data around, um, you know, what some of the ways that that sleep gets impacted when we eat particular things at particular times. And, you know, what's cool is one of the things we have set up is um, these series of sleep bots. And so each morning, um, you know, when we're working with people, they get, uh, you know, these bot questions that come at them to debrief how their night went and then set themselves up powerfully um, for their days. So how their days will go um, from the place of the circadian perspective. And when we look at the meal thing, it can just be such a vicious cycle for so many people. Um, I was actually just on a client call before this and we saw this reoccurring pattern with this one client of this late night eating. And so with it, then we saw all these biomarkers that were impacted uh, as it relates to the quality of their sleep because of this persistent late night eating. So what that looks like is um, even say if you're eating some of the healthiest things that you can dream up, but you're doing them right before bed, you know, or you might be like, no, I don't do that. Okay. I, I do it a couple hours, even a couple hours before bed, depending on the volume of the, the food that you're eating can really, you can see it in those numbers. So what that looks like is, um, heart rate being higher than normal because now your body's having to process something in your gut that distracts it and takes away from its primary function, which one of the most important functions that we're finding right now, there's a ton of important functions during sleep, but one of the things that we're really getting hit over the head with, no pun intended, is um, its ability to to really cleanse the brain. And when all the, when a large portion of the blood flow is being misappropriated to the gut to deal with digestion, then what we're finding is the heart rate is going up because it's having to deal with that. Um, so you're not being as rested throughout, you're not having the experience of being as rested when you wake up the next morning because the body was hard at work on doing multiple things that distracted it from its some of its most important functioning, which has to do, you know, uh, particularly with the brain, um, but then, you know, some other key functions. So you're left more depleted than you could be. So that's just around timing, but also even the types of foods um, can impact your sleep quality. Uh, so that's, you know, a more lengthy topic, but particularly even if you just started with getting connected to when you're eating, um, you know, and keeping those things consistent, because what we find is that when we start deviating all over the place, right. And we start say on the weekends, we, we go to bed later and we wake up later and we do brunch and we do all these different things that are out of the norm of our normal sleep, um, sleep and eat patterns. Then what we find is something, um, akin to metabolic, uh, jet lag, which is basically how it relates that we put ourselves through our own self-created jet lag as it relates to the metabolism. And so that can be problematic for our sleep um, overall. 
and and also just the cues to the body of what time it is. It's cert- it's constantly kind of trying to get a sense of that because the circadian rhythm is dynamic and it has the ability to shift. Um, but if we are doing too many things off kilter in changing our meal timing, then it can really confuse things, including those key uh, hormones that I was pointing to before around cortisol and melatonin. And those are things we really want to keep in check for both our you know, sleep health and our you know, physical and psychological health. Yeah. So Molly, what I'm hearing is consistency over and over, mm-hmm. kind of going to bed oh at the God. same time, waking up at the same time, eating around the same time having similar habits throughout the day around the same time. Is, am I getting that correct? Oh, you are. And we're talking seven days a week, which is why it can be challenging because how do we do that in a society that's kind of structured for, okay, sure. Maybe you do that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but then maybe Thursday, Friday comes around and you don't want to be a weirdo. So you want to engage and, you know, be a part of society, but then how to do that and maintain a consistent sleep, wake, and eat schedule. And that's where it can get a little tricky for people. Yeah, for sure. Well, another question on what can impact our sleep. What about temperature? This was something that came from my audience. They said, how does temperature specifically impact sleep? Do we need blankets? You know, what's the ideal temp? Kind of tell us, Molly. Yes. Oh, temperature is a big one. So um, on that uh, concept of circadian rhythm entrainment, uh, right below light, is temperature as one of the most important cues to the body of what time it is. So the way that temperature gets played out is, so if you, you know, one of the things that you can think about it as is if there's like a chart of, uh, of the day and you start say around 6am, right. And during that period, uh, what's the design of sort of a healthy, person with a healthy and strong, robust circadian rhythm, you'll see this nice rise of cortisol, which is really wonderful because it helps us get going um, and almost like natural coffee, if you will. And so you do that during that period, it's this nice rise and it kind of keeps you going throughout the, you know, the earlier part of your day and it keeps going, keeps going. And then it starts to have this drop uh, later on by design so that then we can switch over in the evening hours slowly to um, melatonin production. Now, when temperature, it gets kind of thrown off. And since what many of us are experiencing or a part of indoor living, you know, by census reports, it's uh, some of the thrown out numbers are over 90% of many of our days in the Western society are spent indoors of some type. So often, you know, we're in our own space and then maybe we get into a, into a car, which is just another indoor space. And then we go to work for another indoor space and then back again. So because of all this, you know, indoor living, uh, the temperature element gets confused and it never really used to be like this for thousands of years. We were much more connected to the outside world than we are now. So what we're missing is, you know, some of that key cues that would happen as the sun would rise, the temperature would, you know, go up in alignment with that cortisol that we talked about. And then what would happen is in the evening when the sun would set, it would obviously get cooler. And that would help be another cue to cortisol to start lowering. And also that uh, cold and darkness that would allow for melatonin to come out. And melatonin is known as the hormone of darkness. So 
All those things worked in tandem, but because so many of our cues are off, we don't have that. So if that's the case, number one quick fix is that if you are inside, you can um, shift your temperature to be warmer during the days and cooler in the evenings. Um, and often kind of testing and pushing the, um, the envelope a bit with your willingness to make it a bit cooler. Some people um, hesitate to do that, but really playing with the, those numbers to bring that down because we do see that that tends to, without being, up, you know, we don't want it to be uncomfortable, but um, certainly definitely on the cooler side because that can help foster slow wave sleep. Um, so what you want to do is then ensure that the temperature is very cool and dark in your bedroom. And then with the, you, you mentioned the blanket conversation that that helps support a cool environment. So breathable uh, materials and what have you to ensure that you're not having to wake up with some people talk about waking up, you know, middle of the night, you know, feeling sweaty and all of that. We don't want to have any of that because then that can uh, shift some of your sleep stages that we're trying to cultivate. Yeah, such good knowledge, Molly. I feel like I'm reading a textbook. You're oh, good. so knowledgeable. <laughs> oh, that makes me oh, happy. My goodness, I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Yay. Okay. That's amazing. So I feel like I've gotten a good gist on things that can impact our sleep and ways to change that. I hope everyone out there listening does too. Um, but I am curious, how many people right now are considered sleep deprived and what is considered sleep deprivation? Yeah, great question. Um, so there's lots of different stats that are thrown out. Um, you know, so whether it's by World Health Organization, um, even the CDC had made comments around, you know, a few years back, um, and there was a kind of a controversy of whether or not it was an epidemic of sleep deprivation that we were dealing with, and then how to categorize, um, you know, that area. So you know, whether it's, do we put it in if it's less than seven hours? Um, do we put it in if it's, you know, uh, more in the realm of under six hours? You know, how do we categorize sleep deprivation? Um, but if you go even into a self-assessment of uh, feeling that that we've gotten insufficient sleep, then the numbers are pretty astounding in the United States alone. Um, and so what we're dealing with is, even on if you're being um, uh, if you're being cautious or conservative, then we're looking at around the forty percent range seems to be some of the the numbers that are thrown around. Um, there's different ones at different categories, so it's a kind of longer question. But um, but largely, you can assume that there is a decent chunk of the of the population that is dealing with um, insufficient sleep as they deem it, and then. Even beyond that, we're also dealing with um, what could be unexamined insufficient sleep that people might be of the sense that, oh, I'm fine. I get, you know, seven and a half hours, eight hours every day. It's not a big deal. You know, so that group, they, what they might not have considered if they were, if we were to hook them up to a polysonogram and then see some of the, the quality of their sleep, then what's likely based on just the environment that we're all kind of a part of, that there's room for opportunity or room for growth to improve that sleep in a way that they might not have considered. And I think there's going to be more and more of that coming out. The more people are, you know, testing out some of these, um, you know, this wellness tech that's coming out. I mean, I was just at this huge tech event um, earlier in the year at CES and one of the largest tech events in the world. And they have uh, the sleep tech arena was huge. I mean, 
And it kind of points to the sign of the times that so many of us are starting to notice this kind of chronic fatigue state um, and what's possible to, to kind of bring that back around, if that makes sense. Yeah. And from what I've heard earlier from you talking, the reason so many of us are sleep deprived is because we're out of rhythm, that circadian yeah. rhythm yeah. with the well lights said. and mm-hmm. the, the um, sounds like the pattern of our day to day of it not being consistent mm-hmm. and things of that sort. Right, Molly? Yes. No, yeah. that's exactly right. And, you know, there's all kinds of things that, you know, we're not even touching on that can impact things. So um, sound is another one. And so this uh, idea of sound pollution. So if you're in an urban environment, uh, just this, how, you know, we're only just beginning to understand how does this impact the, you know, our vagus nerve, which is really this um, experience of our circuit, uh, of our central nervous system, and how much on high alert are we having to be when there's constantly, you know, anyone that's been walked around in, I don't know, LA, New York, any of these big, uh, big city environments, there's constant noise, you know, there's constant construction, horns beeping, bicycles, ah, all kinds of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we we do what we can to tune that out. But even things like that can keep you on a bit of a high alert, hyper aroused state. And then how does that play out when we go to layer, you know, head on the pillow at night? How do we then calm from those states uh, reliably? So, you know, that's just one area of the sound conversation. Um, and it's going to take some examining and then also just, you know, fitting of our environment, but also learning new tactics and strategies to be able to activate a parasympathetic response more regularly throughout our days so that we can start to teach our bodies to, you know, to calm. And again, you know, we've got some big things that we're dealing with in our society right now with, you know, unprecedented times. Um, and with that, you know, a lot of people are more on edge than they maybe had been. And so it becomes more important than ever to learn some of these tools um, and how to make a difference with both just calming that nervous system and then how that spills over into the evening, into into the nights. Yeah. So that goes into a, an emotional mental health issue. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned earlier, sometimes it's not always about the amount of sleep we're getting, but the quality Right. Because yes. I one of the questions from my audience is how much should we be getting as somebody in their 30s and when should we be concerned? So what mm. would you say to her? Yeah. So in our 30s, um, so what's interesting is there's different seasons of our lives, you know, that um tend to have more different averages around sleep. So in our 30s, you know, we're often looking at, you know, aiming still around that you know, seven, eight hours of sleep. Uh, But, you know, we also, to your point around that quality, uh, we are looking for to be able to quantify that as to how rich the sleep is. And there's a particular type of sleep architecture that we usually like to see uh, that we don't always see when sleep is um, chronically kind of, uh, you know, off off its scheduling that we were speaking to that consistency. So what that ends up looking like is, if we if we hone in on what it could be, which is um, a kind of a healthy sleep architecture, we see slow wave sleep at the beginning um, of our nights, and you know, so that 
arguably there's all kinds of theories as to why that goes first. Uh, is that because it's the you know most important sleep stages? You know, maybe that's been discounted as you know for many for many different camps. But there is an argument that it's a very valuable and important part of our evening, so we want to um, protect that. And then we move into, um, you know, intercepted by little periods of, of light sleep, but then we move into more REM states um, closer to the, you know, morning hours and then shift into slowly into light and then wake up usually, um, plus or minus a few things. But usually that's what we see is a, a greater weight of slow wave sleep in the beginning of the night and then REM when things are working. When things are not working and say we were going to bed at all different hours, unfortunately for shift workers, um, you know, this is something that they often see. That's why it's been, you know, categorized as a possible carcinogenic uh, to participate in shift work, um, unfortunately, which is so you know, troubling because it's such an important part of our society. But then also there's many of us that are not shift working. And certainly this was part of my story that I wasn't a shift worker. And yet the way I organized my life almost looked like it in some ways, because, you know, it was all at different times of going to bed and eating at weird times and what have you. And so what the impact or the result was, is that, um, that sleep tech uh, architecture that we were discussing begins to get severed and played with uh, in different ways because your body's still trying to maintain its some semblance of a normal schedule, but you're going to bed later or, you know, at different um, hours. And then it's still trying to jump into uh, the, the stages that it likely had been if you were being consistent. So that might mean sacrificing some of that slow wave sleep and moving into REM at you know, odd times and all of those things, all that spells is just waking up, feeling off, feeling tired, feeling dragging. Um, and you know, you might even be like, I don't get it. I slept in, I slept for whatever, you know, it might be like a weekend and you sleep, I got nine hours and why do I feel like this? And it's, it speaks to what we're discussing around that quality, um, and how much the body really, really wants to, be governed by someone that's going to bring in almost some parenting to yourself in a way that we might, a, a small child, we really want to do that same level of sleep training for ourselves. Yeah. So prioritize yourself. Right? Yes. Imagine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Novel idea. Uh -huh. Yeah. And so many of this, and of course, this is my realm, is just yeah. mental and emotional health. Sure. And, you know, Absolutely. And, yeah. Of just and, and self-care, right? Of taking care of ourselves. Yes. Um, so I have one more question for you, Molly, before we kind of wrap this up. Sure. And it comes from my audience. And I must admit, I'm curious about this too, because yeah. especially after you have a child, you spend those first few years not getting enough sleep. And I'm just coming out of that stage. My son's about to be too. Oh, and somebody wow. from my audience asked this. She said, no matter how long I sleep, I feel like I'm always playing catch up to the amount of sleep my body is saying it needs. Does that mentally tired feeling ever go away? Mm, I feel for that, you know, that, that state of how can I get this back and will it ever come back? Like that sense of being rested. Um, and so what we know is that there was this period of time when there was this conversation around a sleep debt and that your sleep debt's accruing and that you have to pay off that sleep debt. And until you pay that off, then, you know, you're in trouble. Um, you know, 
there's many different camps in this conversation around sleep because the truth is there's still so much that we don't understand about sleep, which is really does make for a really um, exciting area because there's so much to still be discovered and kind of mined as far as, um, you know, the, the thinking behind it and the reasoning. But, you know, to bring solace to that conversation um, around will I ever kind of get back to, to feeling great in a lot of ways, um, what's possible is by restoring these things, you know, kind of piece by piece, behavior by behavior, um, what's possible is getting that sense of rejuvenation of vitality in your mornings when you wake up and then throughout your day that likely you might not have even ever really had in recent years and adult years because even for many of us, even when we thought we were sleeping great, we might not have been bringing in some of the things that are possible to bring in um, when you really get these you know, uh, behaviors pin down. And what I stand for is that, you know, some of your best nights of sleep can lie ahead of you um, if you're willing to do what there is to do. And, you know, it's not always easy. Some of these things are challenging. You know, I'm talking to you right now and I've got blue blockers on and, you know, I've got like red lights around me, you know, as far as, you know, just really trying to um, be mindful and, and create a strong environment around my, uh, the connection for my body of knowing that, okay, the sun has set. So we're really, we're turning over that conversation around light and getting connected to how to help, um, produce melatonin in a way that's going to be beneficial. And so some of these things people aren't willing to do. Um, also, you know, some of the easiest ways, unfortunately, to mess with our sleep, and I wish it wasn't the case, but it is the case, is, you know, drinking is one of those easy things that just, oh my God, if you, if you, once you're hooked up to some of these different trackers and sleep tech, the, the things you see when you have a couple drinks, um, as far as your numbers are just overwhelming as far as how much it splinters and impacts our sleep, unfortunately. And so the reason I'm saying these is some of these things are so, um, ingrained in our society that it can take pulling some of that away to restore the sense of hormone, um, you know, homeostasis and balance to our bodies that many of us really haven't experienced because we didn't even know how much of a difference it was making, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what I hear, Molly, is yes, you can go back and you can restore <laughs> that sleep, but yeah. you may have to think outside the box and do some yeah. things that are a little quote unquote unconventional. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. well said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Okay. Well, Molly, you have given us so much information today. Oh, oh my goodness. Great. It was like a novel. I love it. So much oh. great, great content. Um, tell us more about your sleep reset course. And I know you have a podcast and as we're recording this, it comes out in about two days, but as everyone's hearing it, it's already launched into the world. So tell us about all the things that you do. Oh, thank you. Yes. All the things, so many things are happening. Yeah. It's an exciting time right now. Um, so yeah, the, the podcast is exciting because we're just bringing in all kinds of, you know, industry leaders and experts in this area and get to really nerd out on this topic of sleep and go deep. And it's just awesome. So super excited about that. Um, and then also the sleep reset course is launching this month. Um, so yeah, by the time this is coming out, we'll have been launched. Um, and what's super exciting, um, with that is I'm really looking to create um, the thing that I wanted when I couldn't sleep because during that time for me, I was just so like, 
there's so many emotions, but one of the most primary ones um, or prominent ones was just the sense of loneliness and shame and, you know, that it shouldn't be this way, but having no real sense of where to go or where to turn. Um, so that's really what I'm committed to creating with this. And then it's, you know, super actionable. So it's a hybrid type of course. So it's a mix of, um, you know, both learning that some of this education around circadian rhythm and trainment, but then lots of on the court. So bringing in those sleep bots and the daily. Um, so it becomes a 45-day uh, interaction around these tools and testing. And, you know, you, you definitely try things and it doesn't work out and you're like, Oh my God, I can't, there's so many things to bring in. And so there's, so to get that support along the way, um, I think is really invaluable. So that's happening. And then even at the sleepisaskill.com website, we also have that Molly's Monday obsessions, which is, just chock full of lots of information about all the things I'm obsessing over in the world of sleep, which is a lot. So each Monday, it's always something just, you know, really committed that that's giving just free, valuable content um, and new ways of thinking about this area of sleep um, and kind of breathing new life into it. So I think just anyone that's dealing with sleep, definitely at least getting that newsletter, I think can make a difference to have this top of mind and start experimenting, which I think is a fun way to approach this area that often can be, you know, have resignation around. Yeah. So they can find everything at sleepisaskill.com, correct? Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Is that, is that the name of the podcast too? Yes, the Sleep is a Skill podcast, Perfect. 100%. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Molly, thank you so much for all your wisdom today. And like Molly said, if you are out there and you are suffering with sleep deprivation or you just want to know more about your sleep and the quality of your sleep, because I didn't get to ask all the questions that my audience had, but some of these, like people asking about dreams and waking up from dreams, mm. that to me, and Molly, I think you would agree, is a sign of not getting deep enough sleep. Would you agree? Yeah. Dreams are an interesting area. There's a lot there. You know, people can get into lucid dreaming. Oh my God. We would need like a part gonna, two yeah, to go another, into that one. But, another time, day for that. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah. yeah, this yeah. is just the tip of the iceberg, everybody. Molly, mm -hmm. so much more out there. So please go follow her. I follow her on Instagram too. She's great to follow. Um, and I'm excited for your podcast, Molly. Thank you again. Oh, thank you. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I know you're making such a difference in the world and I just really appreciate the time and, um, and the platform to be able to share more about my favorite topic. <laughs> Yay. Thanks, Ollie. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Become an Unstoppable Woman. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you get new episodes every Monday. And I'd love it if you left a review for the show too, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. If you want even more from the show, come join the conversation online in my community. Each week we break down the episode and you have a private space to ask your questions. To join, go to lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, epreston.com forward slash community. And if you feel like you're really ready to change your life, let's work together in my coaching programs. I have a free assessment that's the first step to seeing if we're a good fit. Just go to lindsayepreston.com forward slash assessment to take it now. Thanks again for tuning into the show today. I'm so grateful you're here and I'll see you next time. But until we meet again, remember my friend, 
you're only as unstoppable as you believe you can be. So believe in yourself. You got this.